Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Thanks for tuning in to Let's Talk Portland, Intercom Radio Portland's weekly public affairs program. I'm Gary Bloxham. Are your kids really into video games? Well, maybe they'd actually like to create a video game. Let's talk about it and find out how they can. On the show this time, I would like to welcome Jason Carley. Jason is the owner of Code Ninjas. Hey there, Jason. How's it going? Good. How are you doing today? Doing good. So Code Ninjas, this sounds like serious work. Tell me about Code Ninjas. What is it? Well, Code Ninjas is the largest and like, fastest growing like kids coding franchise in the country. Um, they've expanded into Canada and even parts of the U.K., um, here in the, the Portland market, there's a few of us, but here in the Beaverton Hills uh, borough area, uh, there's just us. Um, you know, it was founded back in 2016, and we got online with this right about the time that COVID uh, kind of got into uh, a scenario here, um, I would say March. And uh, we've been working a very very much to try to keep that not necessarily the focus, um, but just trying to get kids involved in, in coding and and STEM and having some fun. And, you know, we, we, we teach them to do this by uh, more or less tricking them into thinking that they're going to uh, build video games, which in fact they do. So. <laughs> tricking them. <laughs> That's pretty funny. So yeah. Uh, yeah. explain to our audience what coding is. Well, you know, coding is, is a way to, to take certain language, if you would. And it's kind of like mixing language and math together in a way. Um, uh, like an, if this, scenario than that scenario. Um, so in, in a sense, it is, uh, it is very, very much problem solving. It starts off with um, more of a more rudimentary uh, form of coding that, we've, that we use. It's a provi- you know, provided by uh, MIT. Um, and that's a great way to get people to first understand some simple basic logic. And then from there, we kind of start to add a little bit more uh, lines of code or uh, instruction. How young of kids are you are you working with? Because this sounds like well, kind of know, he, kind of heady stuff, computer stuff, right? Yeah, well, it can be. Um, it, what we think of it in this way, they have to be able to read to do a lot of this. So seven to fourteen is like the key group. Um, but kids younger um, than seven, they can be involved in it too. They're just not necessarily using um, a lot of uh, actual uh, words. They're using more of, um, I guess, like symbols. Uh, we have a of just turned five yesterday, a five-year-old in the house, and he's been working with a couple of things, uh, Code Sparks being one of them, which is something that we, we, we promote at our, 
at our dojo. We call it a dojo because it's, you know, the, the theme in a way of uh, Code Ninjas, our studio, um, which is gorgeous, by the way. Um, just come out and check it out. It's, it's important that give everyone an to a chance to kind of learn what this is. And some of the younger kids we see with, with uh, siblings that are a little bit, you know, older than them that are actually involved in the program. Uh, we have a junior create program where those smaller children can get involved now as well. Um, and then there's even a pro version for more adults. That's more of an HTML. Uh, so we can teach people how to, how to do certain, um, I wouldn't say coding at that point, but it's more of like learning how to, to run websites and what have you. Do kids have to have a kind of an aptitude towards, towards coding and, and mathematics and things like that or, or, or what? They don't. The first two belts. So we do this in belts, kind of like a karate class, the, the oh, okay. white belts and then orange and yellow and green and blue and purple and on and on we go. Those first two or three belts, it is more like game-based curriculum. It's, 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 they're meant to be um, easy wins for the children so that they can see how quickly they can uh, adapt to it. We had, uh, I guess if you talk about like our, our headquarters, our HQ, you know, they, they normally think the curriculum should take the average student probably about four or five months for white belt. We've had a few in the area. I don't know if they're coming from Intel families, but they were done in about three weeks, two to three weeks. So that blew us away at how Whoa. fast they were able to go through that curriculum. Uh, those kids are like 13, 14 that did that. Um, but some of the younger kids are, you know, they're still playing around in that first white belt. But uh, you don't necessarily have to know a lot about coding to to really understand it because the curriculum shows you, you know, again, small wins. What's the ultimate goal? The kids, you want these kids to learn how to do what? The ultimate goal is by the time they get to be a black belt that they will have um, some some, I suppose, game or app that they'll be able to publish on an app store. And at what age? Well, you know, it's, it's they, the, the fact of the matter is, uh, according to what we've been doing in, here, it's been since 2016 um, that this was first uh, derived in another state, and now it's going across uh, the country. There's 466 centers currently and growing, um, but it takes about four years to get through the curriculum. Um, so there is nobody that's a black belt yet. Okay. So if you start off at 14, you should be able to, to, to knock this out in four years. Or if you're younger than that, it's about a four year program. So it, you know, we, we say that to all the parents that come in, just like if they were going to join with any sport, um, or any type of activity to, you know, to, to really master this, you have to give it enough time, but ultimately to give them the opportunity to, to publish their own game, um, is really the ultimate goal for us. And so this is in addition to their regular schoolwork, right? So when do the kids have the time to do this? What is it something they do in the evening, weekends? Yeah, well, you know, pre-COVID, it was like an after-school program. And okay. for parents that did like some, you know, did some schooling from home, you know, there was we will, we afforded them the ability to come in at any given time, you know, throughout the day. Uh, we we open at about twelve o'clock on most days, uh, every day, but. Uh, but, but Sunday. And for, for a lot of the children that could come in, it was more, again, like meant to be after school. Um, being that we have a situation in our hands where there is no real after school, it seems like there's always school, depending on <laughs> when they can you know, log in. Uh, we do give the ability for some of these children, if they work with us and there's a couple programs, they can actually come in and, and utilize some of our computers or our internet so that they can have a safe space to come work on some of their own projects. Now, we're not going to tutor them on any of their schoolwork, but we'll support them in their endeavor to be able to at least connect um, and then be able to play uh, within our curriculum uh, on, on coding. 
So kind of think about it in the same way that you would with kids going to soccer practice or something like that. They're, it's yeah, extracurricular. Exactly. Now, this, this is a drop-in program. So they can come in whenever they want. They work on their, it's, it's to their pace. Um, there is a, a sensei in the studio at all times. It's usually about a, a one to five ratio. It, we've see, actually had more of a one to three, three ratio. So there's plenty of, um, there's plenty of senseis to help out and just, there's a certain point in some of this curriculum where now they have to raise their hand and say, okay, can you check my work? And then they keep moving. But for the most part, it's self-paced. So um, there is some um, programs that have been put together so they can do this from home. We find that most of the parents that are coming in to, to work with their students um, have, have kind of turned away from that. They really want a space, a safe space that they can come to and have a little bit more time. Parents can drop them off for up to, up to two hours, depending on which program they want to be involved in. Um, we have for some of our, uh, some of our, um, you know, our students and our parents, we have a once a month, we're trying, we're thinking about making it more like twice a month, but like a parent's night out where they can drop off their kiddos for, for more than uh, three hours where they can come in and, you know, have a little bit of fun, uh, whether they want to code, work on some of their own pro, you know, programs that they're, that they're involved in, or even just kind of play some video games or watch a movie, um, trying to build that community back. We know that this will all eventually come back to us in full force. So we were slowly chipping away at that um, and having kids be able to come in practically when, whenever, the, whenever they want. We're talking today with Jason Carley, owner of Code Ninjas. Now, Jason, I want to ask you, uh, uh, tell me about STEM education and coding. Well, you know, STEM education and coding is interesting because it kind of has a lot of like, you know, whether it's science or technology or, you know, math, engineering, um, it's really about problem solving. It's really about understanding what you're looking at and trying to, uh, in my, in my words, pick it apart and put it back together. So coding is definitely going to have, um, problem solving, um, to the point that as we start to get into our purple belts, um, we need to have better computers, faster processors, the ability to, to take on more scripts, to take on more language, um, so that the, the, the direction that the kids are trying to take, some certain application can, you know, can go into, into, into different categories. So, you know, having STEM activities is, is extremely important um, to be able to put this on resumes as you go into your work life, or even just have certain things that you can work off of for, for better problem solving is something I think that's, uh, that's great for, you know, for anybody at any age. Besides creating video games, which I'm assuming most kids are totally into, right? besides doing video um, games, yeah. what else can, yeah. can you do with coding? Well, there's some robotics that we do as well, um, you know, where we bring in certain uh, functions. You know, it, it, for me, it's always been about can, can we can incorporate both high, uh, you know, w- whether it's be software or hardware, um, so that it's not just something um, we're all worried and conscious, if you would, about additional screen time for children. We try to say, well, this is a screen time that they're actually going to be able to create something from. Um, the core program is called Create. And to have this Create program is to show children that, yeah, you know, even especially with COVID and a lot of like distance learning, you know, you're in front of a screen, but what are you going to do with that screen? You know, like, how are you going to be able to work with with the understanding of what's behind it. And then at the same point, can we start to get you involved in, in a little bit more of the hardware side of things? So um, we do have camps every, uh, every month or so. We work with some of the kids that we already have lined up to ask them, well, what are you involved in? And there's, I think they're up to like over 25 camps now. And, and you know, there's so many different choices for them. Um, we're trying to put together something with uh, raspberry Pi. raspberry Pi is a very, 
um, easy to um, understand, maybe not for everybody, but easy to understand program that works with not just programs, but um, you know, software, but also hardware. So we, we try to give everybody a chance to understand a lot of different things. Um, but you're right when you, when you say like, the kids really want to just be able to play video games. You're seeing more of these video games that is, it's a dual duality of like playing the game and also creating the game and creating a universe for their friends. Um, Minecraft, Roblox, huge platforms. We have kids that come in here that are showing us some things that we can take to, to the next class and then teach the next kids. So um, it's a lot of communal learning. Um, and we try to do this still in a, in a very tough space that we're all in right now and trying to keep our distance and keeping each other safe. But our dojo um, in Hillsborough is big enough that we can still keep everyone um, involved with each other, but still somewhat distant. Are you kind of blown away every day about how quickly kids learn this and adapt to to the the computer world? Oh, yeah. Like I said, I've got a four-year-old just turned five yesterday. Um, he's already starting to, to do basic coding. Um, at the same time, I've tried to say forever because, you know, we have, um, you know, elderly parents that sometimes need a little bit of help. Um, with, you know, connecting with Zoom meetings and, you know, FaceTime and all this other stuff. And I try to say to the parents, uh, my parents, and maybe the parents of these children, it's, it's easy for these children because they don't have to worry about breaking it, right? Once you don't have to worry about breaking it, you're a little bit more um, freed up to try to explore. And when you're worried about whether or not this thing's not going to work and I need it for something more important than just this, you have a lot of people who, who start to worry. Um, like, well, should I even try? For us, like, come on in here. Don't worry. We got plenty of computers. They're, they're tough. Let's, let's figure out. Let's get into it. Let's, like, figure out how the finer nuances within um, whether it's software or hardware. And I think that blows me away all the time. Like, to see children that are just fearless in their attempts to understand something, that everyone else is worried, well, why should I learn that? Because it's just going to change. Well, if they learn this basic now and they can build from that, they're going to learn so much more. It is pretty amazing how it is a generational thing. I, I remember my parents going, oh, I'm going to break the computer just by pressing yeah. the wrong button. They were terrified of it. And it's Yeah, when I was younger and I got my first computer, it was Control-Alt-Delete. You held those down, you broke it, you got into basic, you started you know, telling certain basic commands, and uh, we were off and running. That was before any of these languages. We, you know, there's an emphasis in our um, dojo to not just look at one language in particular, you know, but we do spend a few months or a few belts, I should say, on Lua. Uh, Lua is a language that is uh, more for gaming platforming only. Once the kids get to that point, you really see them start to soar. There's a couple kids that will get stuck on a yellow belt and we're like, don't worry, it's just getting through this and understanding it will take some time. But when they start to get into like true graphics and game building, it's that's when it starts to get really interesting because you look over what they're working on and you're like, huh, I would have never thought of that. You know, like that's, that's an amazing, it's like art class. And once you give the kids all the proper basics and you give them the tools to play with, you give them the opportunity to do it. There's, there's an artist in all of us. And for coding, it's just a tipping point um, for, for these children to be able to explore. I look at it that way. We're talking today with Jason Carley, owner of Code Ninjas. Jason, how did you get into this line of work? So I'm, um, I already have a, a different business. Um, it's afforded me the ability to try um, at this. Um, and growing up, you know, there was a lot of things that I was always interested in. And whether it was a problem with money or a problem with, like, trying to find the right teacher, it was always difficult for me growing up. And knowing that um, I didn't want that for my son and I didn't want that for my community, I took the uh, leap with my wife, Heather, 
in the, um, you know, in, this is an opportunity, um, most definitely for us, for not just being able to um, employ uh, young minds, strong minds that are looking at trying to uh, develop other minds, because I feel that if I was given that a little bit more of an advantage, you know, um, I might have been able to do some more, uh, some more good earlier. Uh, here, doing this now, trying to, 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 to gather an audience, you know, these children that are around us, they're all interested in computers and to, to put them in a position where they're actually creating and not just passively playing um, was so important to me. It's absolutely fascinating what, you, what you're doing. Tell me about it's, some of the demographics. Tell me about some of the demographics. Are you, is it boys and girls equally or? It actually is. I mean, it's really close. There's just a couple more boys. I think we're almost up to 20. Uh, there's only a couple more boys than there is girls. That's the part that I think is just great. You're starting to see uh, a younger a demographic that's into gaming that wasn't um, when I was, you know, when I was a kid. Um, but, you know, we, we see um, some of the girls advancing more quickly in, in some of this space because, again, not afraid. There's, there's nothing holding them back. This, this is an industry that is not dominated by one or the other um, when it comes to the battle of the sexes. So when you see these young, these young girls and these young boys coming in, there's, there's no, you know, there's really no animosity towards each other on as to what they're wor- working on. They want to learn from each other. Um, the, the platforms are all creative. There's, there's not a lot of shoot 'em up stuff, right? We're not looking at that. There's not a lot of crashing and gore. That's not something that we're interested in. We're trying to show them how they can problem solve, right? How they can build something and they can be very creative. Um, and to give people a little bit more um, understanding of that, these children, they really, they really kind of prove to, to us that, you know, by, by just letting them loose uh, on this format, uh, it's, just, it's just it's amazing. It's amazing that we, uh, some of the things that we get to see them do. Problem solving is a skill that can take you a long ways. And I, it sounds like these kids are really learning problem solving. Yeah, and you know what? You see a little bit of uh, frustration sometimes, and then you work with them on that. Um, some kids are going to be a little bit more frustrated because it's a passion for them. Um, there's no one coming in going, okay, I don't like this, and they're going to walk away. They all keep coming back and trying again. And then once they, once they break it, previous to COVID, it was a lot of talk of high fives, you know, like, great, great. You know, we're still working with these kids to beef them up to get them to know, like, this is, this is awesome. Like you made a breakthrough and like, wait until you're going to learn tomorrow and we'll see you. And, you know, having these kids stay longer and the parents are in the lobby waiting and we're like, okay, well, your time's up. And they're like, well, let me stay a little bit longer. It's proof. It's proof this is working. <laughs> I want to ask you about, you said you started uh, your Code Ninjas right about the time that uh, COVID hit, right? So what's the, how have you adjusted to that? How, what kind of impact has COVID-19 had on Code Ninjas? Well, you know, it's a little bit slower out the gate. Um, being that a lot of the marketing is more centered towards, uh, you know, schools and, and trying to get involved in some of the school curriculum. A lot of the schools are doing things like this. Early on, we, we started to notice there's a lot, of, um, a lot of this happening in a lot of different spaces. For me, that's great. That's just more awareness that this is necessary um, next step. I don't look at it as competition. I think there's enough work out there for everyone. I think there's enough opportunity now more and more um, for, for, for young, for, you know, young minds to get involved in this. Um, but COVID really kind of slowed us down into getting the word out into, you know, a lot of people come by and they're like, what is this place? You know, it just says code ninjas uh, on the facade. And then they come in and they see this, you know, amazing dojo, right. Where kids get to come in there. We're like, Oh, sorry, this is parent free zone. You, you can't go in here. <laughs> and the kids just have that look. They're like, Oh, geez, I can't believe it. I, I get to do this on my own. And uh, if they need help, 
the help is there. And, you know, COVID definitely slowed us down, but we've got long legs. Uh, we've been commissioned to build a second location in Beaverton. Uh, we'll get there probably sometime next year. We'll start breaking ground on that. Um, one of the more exciting things that we've just, uh, Code Ninjas has just launched is a partnership with um, more or less a game building, or not just game building, but game playing format, like an eSport. That's something that we're rolling out at our location. Not every Code Ninjas is doing that. Some are probably a little bit worried about where things are going with COVID. But for me, you know, I, I, I jokingly say I've got uh, TGS, Top Gun Syndrome, you know, like, let's go, let's go, let's go. We can, <laughs> we can build this. There's children that want to be involved. This is just another opportunity for parents to have a space where they can drop their kids off in a safe area and they can really learn. They can build confidence. It's no different than any other sport, in my opinion. It's just that the kids are a little bit more privy to this, um, being that it's, you know, video game based. And um, I think COVID has really put a lot of pam- uh, families, uh, children and, you know, students, if you would, into a space where they don't want to necessarily leave the nest. They're a little bit more shocked to, to get out and to, to start to roam. They come into our space and we keep the numbers tight where we're not going to be in a cl- crowded classroom. And they're excited to be able to come back. So it's, it's, it's proven to be, again, a little bit of a slow start. But, again, we have long legs, and we're not going anywhere. So so are you doing all in-person learning now, or is some of it on online or, or remote, too? It is all in-person. Um, our corporate has built, um, you know, has built that out so that there is uh, the ability to, to do, you know, distance learning at home. No one has really taken, taken us up on it. Uh, we haven't put a ton of time into it. It's easy to turn that on. Um, I think that maybe there might be a hybrid for some. No one's asked for, like, can I do this at home? Sometimes it's maybe the, they're worried that maybe their computer isn't strong enough um, and that they know that they have a space that they can come to. I, I'm not really sure. We're really, we still, it's kind of hard question to ask. If no one's asking for to, can I, my, my, my son or daughter do this at home that's, in, you know, currently enrolled, um, we don't really know why it's, it's nice for us because, you know, we have this space that we built. It was never intended to be like, um, you know, have children at home struggling with any type of, uh, you know, I guess curriculum, the curriculum is pretty smooth. It runs really nice, but there is those break points where they're supposed to kind of look for that, um, for that help, whether it be another student that maybe is a little bit more advanced than them, or obviously our senseis who are there to try to, keep the kids moving. Um, it's, it's become something that we, we recognize that people are looking for an actual physical space. So to answer your question right now, people aren't taken up uh, on the, on the idea of like doing this outside of anywhere other than at our dojo. Okay. If parents are listening right now, maybe they want to get their kids involved, but they're not so sure about the safety. Tell me about the safety protocols you have in, have in, have in place. Yeah, so um, like I mentioned earlier, um, the other business that um, that I have is um, is a company. It's a construction company that deals with you know how to keep places safe, how to remove contaminants. You know, we have periodical wipe downs of, of equipment. We have enough equipment that any given day, one person's going to touch that equipment. Um, we give out uh, everyone their own uh, my, mouse, if you would, and then earbuds so that they're, they're their own. The computers, um, they go through a cleaning uh, situation every day. Um, and then at the same time, we do, uh, you know, we do have some extra measures um, that we do put into place, whether it be, um, you know, certain uh, negative air techniques um, to, to clean the air, uh, air scrubbing techniques, uh, fogging um, with certain um, 
I guess, plant-based botanicals that, that help to, to try to keep everything clean. So knowing what I know on the other end of the, of the spectrum on this other business has really afforded me the ability to do this at no additional cost, um, where anybody else that would need to be doing this probably would turn it down because of the cost involved. So it's just another way for for us to just prove that the space is just, you know, healthy and clean. I don't look at it as like any type of lateral move to try to get somebody to um, look at this other business because this other business only gets involved with people during a disaster. And I just don't, <laughs> I just don't want to see people uh, in this space. Uh, I like to keep these two extremely separate. Um, but we, we do take that um, that precaution. Of course, kids are coming in, getting temperature checks. And, you know, there's a couple questions that we'll ask during the, the initial um, sign up with parents. And, you know, the community we have currently is, is small. Okay. It's still to the point where people are, are, are understanding of who each other are. They're seeing parents come in and out. And we do a good job of balancing out. There's a, a scheduler now so that you can come on in when, when you want, as opposed to what was before was just a drop in, come on in any time. There was never an issue of capacity. You know, there's, there's, uh, there's nearly 60 seats, you know, we're, we're keeping it below 10 and, uh, we haven't had any, in, any situation yet where anyone's coming in and being turned away because the timeliness of everything right now is still in, in working to our favor. So that's how we keep the kids safe. Awesome. Well, if parents and or kids are listening right now, Jason, tell them how they can get more information on Code Ninjas. Well, you can go to CodeNinjas.com. Um, we are everywhere and anywhere right now, considering we're one of the only ones here in the Portland market. Um, we have a couple different pages online. If you search for Code Ninjas Hillsboro, you'll you'll definitely find us. Um, if you are to the point where you're just trying to uh, find a phone number, of course, you know that's that's always easy. That's five zero three nine nine five eight seven eight seven. And you know we say to everyone, come on in. You get a free tour and a free game building session. Uh, we, we talk to the parent about the pricing and, the, and then some of the things that we have available. And we let the kids go into the dojo and work with uh, one of our senseis. And uh, they usually don't want to leave. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thanks for all this information. Sounds like you're doing really cool stuff, Jason. Yeah, well, thanks for the call. We've been talking today with Jason Carley, owner of Code Ninjas. Thanks again. Let's Talk Portland is an Intercom Radio Portland public affairs program.